This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 111 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Joining us today is John Turbush, Senior Threat Intelligence Researcher at Recorded Future. John is an instructor with the SANS Institute, currently teaching a course on open source intelligence that he helped develop. Previous to joining Recorded Future, he was a Senior Threat Intelligence Analyst and Subject Matter Expert with Booz Allen. And before that, he worked for Symantec as a Security Operations Center Analyst. Earlier in his career, he worked as a researcher and private investigator. Our conversation explores the value proposition of threat intelligence and how organizations can dial in how they use it to manage risk, keep their business leaders informed, and get the best bang for their cybersecurity buck. Stay with us. I started out long ago doing uh, legal research for different attorneys, uh, doing research for authors at uh, libraries and archives, things like that. Sort of transitioned from that into working as a private investigator for quite some time, about 15 years. And then uh, around seven or eight years ago, decided I wanted to make a move into the digital world, so to speak. Not that I wasn't doing things in that vein uh, as a private investigator, but I made the move to more of an information security focus and ended up doing briefly for about six months some vulnerability assessment work uh, for a small local company and then uh, working for Symantec in their security operations center uh, as a managed service. So we had a lot of clients and working in the stock like that was a really great place to get a grip on a lot of technologies, different clients and what issues they have and uh, just develop professionally information security. I sort of found a liking and uh, a knack for doing threat research and, and tracking different entities and campaigns and sharing that information and developing better detections while I was there at the SOC. And that led to transitioning into more of the yeah, threat intelligence space, which leads me to where I am now. Yeah, you know, before we, we dig into uh, some of the work you're doing here, I want to swing back, and I, I can't help myself but uh, digging into some of your work as a private investigator. Uh, I know certainly probably most of us have a, a bit of a, a film noir uh, idea of what a PI uh, actually does. Uh, I suspect it's not quite that, but uh, what was that work like? Uh, it was interesting. It, it definitely was interesting. You're always doing something new. There's always a new case, um, always going somewhere different. Uh, and that, you know, kind of keeps you on your toes and keeps things interesting. I was out of the office a lot doing mobile surveillance. But I also still was doing, you know, court record uh, polls and research, locating people, um, doing interviews, a little undercover work here and there. So, you know, some interesting stuff. It's definitely not like you see on TV and the movies necessarily, but uh, it can be rather entertaining at times as well. Yeah, and, and I think that that goes right into this notion of open source intelligence, which in the in the digital realm, in, in the cyber realm, is is certainly a hot topic these days. And you're an instructor at the SANS Institute. You teach uh, a course on open source intelligence. 
Yes, uh, I teach the Security 487 Open Source uh, Intelligence course that just was developed within the last couple of years by a friend of mine, Micah Hoffman, and it's a pretty cool course. And a lot of it is things that I was doing in one way or another as a private investigator, and certainly a lot of it that I'm doing now, conducting threat research. How much of that crosses over, those skills that you learned uh, in your previous career, how does that transfer over to what you're doing now? Um, there is a bit of carryover, actually, maybe more than you might expect. You know, when you're conducting investigations, you're sort of following the same process, right? You're gathering information, you have to analyze it, you have to work out for yourself or with your team, will this lead to, you know, finding out what I want or finding more useful information for my client? or not, you know, where are those rabbit holes that you want to kind of avoid because they're wasting time for you and keeping things focused. So a lot of the process is, is similar, actually. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that um, you seem to have a knack for this kind of work when you're working in the SOC. Um, what do you attribute that to? What, what, is the, what, what are the things that someone who, who, uh, who fits right in, who takes a uh, who finds this sort of stuff easy? What are some of the attributes that you had that made you, made you successful? Well, I think part of it is just an interest in, in finding out new things, uh, trying to learn things that other people haven't figured out before. Sort of an investigative mindset uh, is something I have, and I think others that are successful in this space uh, have. Not everyone is really interested in doing this, um, but those that have an interest in it and a passion for it uh, will find ways to succeed, I'm sure. I want to dig in and, and talk some about uh, threat intelligence and, and the work you're doing with Recorded Future. Um, first of all, what is your day-to-day -day like? What sort of uh, work are you doing there? Well, I have my hands in a number of different things. I work with some of our uh, other teams. I'm specifically on you know, our insect research team, and we're focused on sort of geopolitical analysis, as well as, as technical, you know, tracking of actors. Uh, we develop different hunting packages for our clients that they can use to find bad things on their networks. Um, also, you know, some more technical, uh, you know, tracking of C2 networks and that sort of thing on the technical side is, is where I tend to end up. I also help, uh, like I said, other teams with you know, either OSINT-type investigative stuff to more technical things that they need assistance with, and generally just doing whatever we can to help our clients out, help the company out, and find out new things and make the threat landscape visibility that they need and that they're paying us for uh, available to them in a useful way. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that fascinates me is um, that... Um that mix of the technical and um, those human skills. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about all the technical tools, but I, I over and over again, people I talk to, um, they speak about having uh, a notion about something. You know, something just doesn't feel right, or, or their intuition tells them to, to head off in a certain direction, to explore a certain thing. Um, what is your take on that intersection between the technical and the human side of things? Uh, obviously, that's very important. I mean, I know I have have friends that are very technical that don't really want to go to meetings and do these other things, and, and they've kind of carved out a niche for themselves. But I think if you can 
bridge that gap between being able to to do the technical work and get it in the right hands, explain it to the, the clients, whoever the end user is, so that they can really use it uh, is pretty crucial, right? We have a lot of people that aren't very technical uh, in this space that may need some help. And obviously, if you have technical skills and you're able to relate the information in a way that they can use it, that they can take action on it, that, that they learn something, can, can get better at their jobs, whatever, uh, that's really helpful. I want to dig in and talk about some of the the value of threat intelligence, how people sort of measure that return on investment. When you're out and about explaining the work that you do, how do you describe that that value proposition to people? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can use it. Um, For example, it's sort of that high level, that C-suite level. Uh, you can just provide them some information on what generally is the threat landscape. I talked about how I had done some vulnerability assessment work long ago. And, you know, there's a lot of things you need moving parts there with, okay, there's all these vulnerabilities. I need to patch all these things, but what are more important, for example? What are the, the key risks? You've got to do that threat analysis. And without the information, the input, that gets pretty difficult, and there's a lot of different solutions for this, but, but having a good source of threat intelligence, finding out what is out there, what is actually uh, being utilized against corporations, government entities, et cetera, by attackers, that can help focus your efforts, right? You only have so much time to get so much work done. If you can focus that on the more important pieces, then that makes your security posture uh, that much better. What about uh, folks who, who say, well, listen, I've, I've got a bunch of open source feeds that I'm monitoring. We have information coming in through our, through our SOC, uh, other things. You know, why, why should we engage with uh, an outside company to provide us with threat intelligence? I'd say a big part of that is that if you, even if you belong to an ISAC and are sharing some information with others, you're still perhaps not getting the big picture. Certainly if you are just focused on internal collection of threat data, um, you're not seeing what's happening with this other company that may be related to you, what's happening uh, across the planet in Singapore or you know South America, whatever. If you are looking at some of this information, you can find yourself in a bit of a tunnel security-wise and maybe not the forest for the trees, and that can lead to some bad outcomes. What about uh, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning? I mean, how does that play into it, that ability to, uh, to process all that incoming stuff at scale? Well, that's huge, obviously. Uh, having worked in a SOC, you know, you see these situations where you just get swamped with alerts. So it absolutely is crucial to have some sort of automation, some way to use AI and sort of limited definition there uh, to correlate all this information and help you to work out what is really important. You know, okay, we got this fish. It seems to be something that was blocked and taken care of. We can quickly adjust our settings. So if we see something more like this in the future, we can block that uh, globally, right? So we can do these sort of things with, automation as well to make our actions count for more than if we do everything manually, for example. 
What are your recommendations uh, for that organization who's shopping around, who's trying to uh, decide how they want to dial in threat intelligence in, in their own uh, protection of their, secure, of, of their systems? Um, where do they begin? What, what sort of uh, tips do you have for them? Well, obviously you want to go with someone that, that actually has a pretty broad scope of information. It helps if you have some understanding of what, you know, where your gaps are uh, that you need to fill. So, you know, there may be some uh, company or offering that better suits your needs as far as your gaps. Um, some people need help with that. They haven't even gotten to the point where they have any sort of an intelligence team. They haven't worked out, uh, you know, their, their intelligence requirements. And, you know, you might need a company that can help you with that, for example. You might need some help working out some playbooks for, you know, your store, things like that. So I would say just, you know, talk to different people, uh, even folks that you know are in the space that are using different sources uh, or going with different offerings and maybe, you know, find out, hey, these guys seem to do a good job, these guys don't, and then do those trials, get some different platforms, check them out, right? Test them out. Pretty much everybody is going to give you some sort of trial so you can see will this work for me or not? What do you suppose the future holds for threat intelligence? I mean, we, we see, I think most people would be in agreement that if anything, the velocity of the threats coming in is increasing. But what do you see on the horizon? Well, I mean, it's a cyber world. It's a digital world now. So everybody, uh, pretty much anyone who's anyone is out there. They have a website. They have uh, ways to market their product, deliver their product uh, through the internet or uh, otherwise, and those threats are going to remain. Criminal actors who used to be robbing people in a back alley, now they can just do it over the wire. You have nation states that are similarly moving into and have moved uh, long ago, they were early adopters, I think, into this space where they can acquire enormous amounts of intelligence just by hacking into somebody's network and, and accessing, you know, their email server, for example. That's not going away anytime soon. So there are more people entering the space as well as far as, as attackers. So you need to keep that data source that can keep you abreast of all this activity there. And I think we are seeing, like with Recorded Future and some of the other providers in the space, that there may be a bit more consolidation going forward, like we saw with, say, AV companies or firewall companies. Um, so there are going to sort of shake out some larger players in the space. Um, and that may make it a little less confusing. But moving forward, you absolutely are going to have uh, a need for threat intelligence. And in some form or another, Recorded Future is trying to make it available uh, to pretty much anyone. We're, we're, you know, we don't want to be exclusive to, okay, these really advanced clients, uh, these banks or insurance companies or government agencies, they're not the only one that needs it. So I think we're seeing it more of a democratization of uh, threat intelligence. Our thanks to Recorded Future's John Turbush for joining us. If you'd like to dig into the value proposition of threat intelligence, there's a blog post over on the Recorded Future website. It's titled, The Value of Threat Intelligence for All Security Functions. Check it out.
Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Zane Picorni, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.